Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. I wanted to start off with a slightly bigger question. Something that's pressing that needs to be answered. They are in... You have an irrational fear of bees. <laughs> I do. It's ever since I was a young young kid. I've only I've only been stung by bees probably like four times in earnest in my life, and two of those times were like last year. Wow. So I had not had a long history with bees from a from a pain standpoint. But there's something like innately, you know, like through all the years of evolution, I was just blessed with some sort of genetic. Maybe my ancestors were just like honey collectors in Egypt and it just had some sort of really like catastrophic, you know, the Something bees turned on them. Life. Yeah, the bees uh, had an uprising and said like, you can't, you can't take our honey anymore and killed off a bunch of my ancestors or something. Did getting stung help to assuage those fears at all? I think it made me like more angry. I wasn't like angry towards bees before last year. And then one time I was just on a run and a bee caught me like on my ankle, like mid stride. And I was like, I, you know, in hindsight, I was like, well, maybe I was running next to a nest or something. And it was just like a defense. You know, I, I know in my heart that bees are not out to be assholes, even though I will say that we have murder hornets. I was going to ask about this. What I, happened there? Did, are they still kicking about? I think, I mean, I think it's kind of like everyone's waiting to see. They were spot, like they, they're big enough that they can like tag them with like radio chips, you know? And they, 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 they're about like 50 miles from where I am in terms of where they were spotted. Uh-oh. So I think it's still early in the season yet to know if they're, they're still here, but everyone's, everyone's aware. Those things are crazy though. Like when you see the videos of them, they can do you oh. some serious damage. Yeah. I mean, it's like, you know, I think it's, it's, I don't know if it's killed folks, but it's something like the worst pain you'll ever feel or something. I mean, you, you're in Seattle. Where are the murder hornets? You're saying 50 miles away. The murder hornets are up more towards Canada. So like Seattle's about, I don't know, two hours from Canada, if that. And so uh, the murder hornets came down 
from British Columbia into like the islands sort of I, that's where I've heard they are we have a bunch of islands sort of running from here up to Canada and they've just made their home in the islands so I'm not trying to go to the islands right now no Seattle's Washington State right correct yeah I was enjoying your you did a Fraser mashup t-shirt yeah <laughs> yeah are you a fan of Fraser I it was one of those things where like when you're home sick from school it was on you know like the, that's what i have a recollection of of fraser and like some game shows right like daytime game shows the and i think fraser was probably on at night but they played like the reruns or whatever during the day and that was the only time i really watched it the thing i love about that it's the it's the seattle needle isn't it that's on the this the is kind of logo. yeah it's the, the space needle the space needle it's such a you know really prominent distinct image that you instantly know it's seattle are different images of Seattle tied to different periods of your life in your mind? That's a good question. The, where the Space Needle is, is part of what's called the Seattle Center or the <clears throat> Pacific Science Center. And my understanding is that it was all built for a World's Fair back in like the 50s or 60s. And growing up, you'd like go into the city for with your school, like with your classmates and go to like the science center. There's a bunch of build big buildings where they'd have like, you know, uh, one building would be about dinosaurs and another would be like, this is the chemistry. Like we all do experiments, you know, education kind of thing. And, and it was also like a little theme park, like a little, like the roller coaster and, and carousel and stuff. And so I, w everybody grew up going there really often. And I think it still sits there, but it, it's not open obviously right now, but. I associate that area where the space needle is with being a young kid. What association do you have with St. Mark's Cathedral? What does that place mean to you on a personal level? Um, I, it was, a, it was a, a formative time in my life because I was in college and I went to like a fairly small conservative, well, it was in the general scheme of things, conservative Christian uh, school, <clears throat> which I kind of wasn't aware of when I chose to go there. I thought it was a much more like sort of chill approach to those things but i was being faced with these like with this community where i didn't really line up with a lot of the thinking but saint mark sort of sits as this yes obviously it's a church um and it has a lot of i i actually don't know a ton of difference between episcopalian and catholics and i know that's probably like hard to believe for some folks but it feels like a very holy sort of experience when you walk into a church like that it's like oh my gosh am i allowed to like sit here or like do I, can I even look at that? <laughs> uh, but they're so awesome in terms of like, it's in the, a Capitol Hill neighborhood of Seattle where um, it's like quite party central, like uh, for a long time, that was like known as like where the, a lot of the gay community uh, lived and partied and uh, was, were in community together. So to have this church, basically like this massive church that you can't miss if you're in Seattle, open its doors to, to sort of everybody. And say like i don't we don't care who you are like just come and enjoy this music so they had these these monks uh every sunday night would sing um for about an hour in terms of uh, these these hymns of these prayers and all these crazy harmonies intricate harmonies like really gentle really soft and the reverb in this church is like eight seconds or nine seconds long or something crazy like that so like if you were just alone singing, you could sort of harmonize with yourself for like eight seconds. It was just like a <laughs> wild, wild experience. And so you would just go lay down on the floor. Everybody would like bring like a yoga mat or something and lay down and sort of be lulled into this euphoria with these guys singing. 
I, I probably been to that about like, you know, 10 times or something and hadn't gone back since, uh, until we, we decided to do this show. So, uh, it was really, it, it is really, really special to be able to be there. What's that like playing in a place like that for you acoustically? Cause I imagine it's completely oh, different yeah. to being in a venue. Yeah, we were in, well, I was a little intimidated at first because again, like anytime you have a live drummer, for example, in a place that big, it gets really loud, really fast. And you can't really, you know, it kills, it kills sort of the more gentle vibe. Uh, you know, the other guys in the band, when we first started playing, it was like, oh my gosh, this is like, you sort of could hear everyone on this, on this stage of the pulpit area as if they were in this, in a small room with you. But then there was, there was this breath of reverb from everything that you did. Like you could scoot your chair and it would set off the room into this crazy like tone. It was really like this magical experience where we could really hear everybody clearly, but also hear the room. And so it was the perfect, the perfect storm of sound. It was really crazy. You mentioned as well, you said it's in the Capitol Hill neighborhood, right? Yeah. Was that where Antifa was? Oh, yeah. Hey, look at that. we got on the map for that. It, it's in the same neighborhood. It's probably about like 10 blocks away from where all that, all that craziness is happening. And it's still, I was at the studio. Uh, uh, I'm in the middle of recording my next album right now. And, and we were at this big church that had been, another church, I'm obsessed with churches, uh, <laughs> converted into a studio, um, like literally one block from the police precinct that is still boarded up like a war zone. It is so crazy. But then, you know, now all the boards are down from businesses. You can go to restaurants and sit outside and whatever. And, um, but it's still this one block where the, where the police precinct sits that's, uh, all, all, you know, spray painted up and, and you can't see over this barrier to the building. It's really, really quite surreal. Did that burn itself out? It, it did. I, I'm trying to remember clearly kind of how it dissipated. There were definitely some strongholds around the neighborhood that, um, that held on longer than anybody thought they would. Yeah, no, it, 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 I remember it getting just so much worse coverage outside of the city than it actually was in the city. And no, nobody was really freaking out about it that much here. It was, it was relatively calm. I mean, there were some really, really rough patches, but overall, I'd say it was a very healthy exercise for the city. In what sense? Uh, the balance of, of the role of policing in the city. I mean, the, we're like any other city, in, in especially in the States, where there are pretty clear racial divides um, in how the city was built and where you know, people of color were expected to live and, and uh, expected to vote, basically. Um, so really, and this, this was before all the voting stuff happened here uh, for the last presidential race. And I thought it was a good reset. I mean, it was a good trial for the mayor who, who a lot of folks didn't think, uh, th thought did not handle very well. Um, and we'll see if she gets reelected. But we have a problem here and, and with, with police brutality, especially towards people of color. And I thought it was a necessary thing to have happened to have that be an open dialogue. Did, did you go to university in Seattle as well? Have you been there like all your life? I did. Yeah. I went away for a couple of years to go to a different university and came back. So I've been here for almost all my life. You had, was it at university that you had Dan Adams, the percussion instructor? Yes, it was. Who I know you've spoken in the past about how he was a real inspiration to you. It is fascinating how many musicians and artists and producers I speak to, and so many of them seem to have this one or even more than one teacher in their life who was really important to them. Is that almost essential when you're at that level getting into it to keep you on the path? I think so. I mean, everybody has their early instructors um, who were important to me as well, but Dan 
had me at an age where I think it was finally that come to Jesus moment where he was like, you, you've been writing on your talent for as long as you've been playing music. And now you really need to like learn how to practice and learn how to push and bleed for it essentially. And that's what, that's what I did. I, I, I finally reached a limit or I like touched a limit within myself that I hadn't before and was able to find of like able to sort of settle in, not compromise, but settle in more comfortably to who I was as a musician. Um, and that was around the time that I was starting to write a lot of songs too, um, and sing for the first time. And he is a percussion teacher, but it really helped shape my understanding of early music business and, and, um, entering into that community. So you, were you expressing yourself before that moment or was it that beginning to practice kind of prompted you in that direction to begin expressing yourself? Yeah. I think once you start learning a language that you've like really knowing a language that you've known for a long time, but can start manipulating and playing within it at a new level, that's when things change. And that's, that's exactly what happened to me. That's when I started recording forming what would be my first band. So something clicked with him. Uh, and then we also were just, or still are like, you know, became very close friends. Uh, and, uh, he was, he's been a great mentor through the years. I lo- I always love the, the metaphor of music being language. I think it always works really well and it does hold up. If we're kind of running with that metaphor, we could almost look at as a dialect that you communicate in from that being minimalism and something that kind of runs through mm-hmm. a lot of your work. Did you feel that you were exploring it in new ways on this latest EP and taking it in new directions? That yeah, idea? yeah, I think so. I mean, I, I I try to have a mix of like really paying attention to what's happening and also like not trying to like choke hold it because you can you can really limit yourself if you try to be hyper aware of what you're saying or how you're trying to explore in the studio. Um, and that's something that over the years I I, I feel like I always try to need to get better at, which is letting go more and trying things that make you uncomfortable. I mean, that's how I like got into this in the first place was like finally realizing that no one is going to do it for me. Like, it's not like I need a special label or a special manager or somebody outside of me, a producer to come do it for me. It was like, well, you have no money and you have this laptop and like this shitty mic. So how are you going to make it work? And, and that was literally like how Simul was born. Uh, it was so uncomfortable, right? Like I, I built beats for the first time really ever. And I, I limited myself to like really, really few chords on the piano or a few notes on the piano and, and had to, had to see what my voice could do and how my words could fill that space. Um, and that was a very, uh, isolated experience. Like I was just alone. And I think that was the perfect sort of Petri dish or whatever to, to sprout true minimalism, at least what it was for me. And so I think I try to carry that into each studio experience up even up till now, whether that's collaborating with others or not. I think putting yourself in a place where like you already know what works for you, right? Like you know your comfort zone, you know your bag of tricks that always work and make you feel good and make a listener feel good. But there's always got to be some way that you're like spinning into a new, new uncomfortable world to keep you honest as an artist, I think. It's interesting what you were saying there, you know, when you started the project that you laid down those limitations pretty early on for yourself. When you're working on another body of work like this EP, slightly deeper into the project and further along in the narrative, 
at what point do you set down those limitations again is it at the beginning or is it a different point in the process i think yeah i think it's not in the beginning i think if you put too many you know harnesses on the process in the beginning like you might miss something but i think it's it comes at different check-ins during the process of like you you get the first rough idea um and live with it for a bit and then you approach it with a different perspective and then you, yeah, it's it's all on the way up through up through the mixing process i think because even in the mixing and mastering process you can you can limit like what you did um or you can highlight what you did and i think sometimes there's like these happy surprises where like oh yeah i did do that and that was awesome i'm going to highlight that now and something that i thought was like this like delicious ear candy is really just distracting from what i'm trying to say um, so I'm going to take that away now. So it's like, it's, it really is up to the 11th hour using that approach. This was your first time working with an outside producer as well on this project, right? Yeah. Well, we, I, I collaborated a couple with a couple of guys from the UK before on, on like one-off songs on, uh, previous releases, but that was, um, all remote. And it was really much, you know, like kind of like handing it to them being like, what would you do? And this was way more collaborative in terms of like, this is the song that I have and what I've done from a production standpoint. And Paul Palmini uh, was, when we first met, it was like crazy. We just was one of those, like, we just dove into talking about songs, like really dig into talking about the songs and not just like, oh, I've got this new synth and it makes this rad sound. Like we should put that on your song. It was like, man, well, and also I had the, I can't, it's kind of a messed up way to say this is an advantage, but I was just going through this really heavy season of uh, losing my dad to cancer. And uh, a couple of my friends were going through a divorce. Like it was like these very real life things. And sometimes you meet somebody like over a drink or something where you're like, oh, you're a human too. And you're going through, or you can like, you can reflect back to me what I'm going through. Like, that's amazing. Let's talk about that first. And then let's talk about how to make art out of that. And that's what happened with Paul. You began by speaking about what the songs were about rather than the songs themselves. Yeah, you know what's crazy is that like there's a song called Stay Close on the EP. Opener. And he thought he thought it was like a romantic love song. Like, or at least he 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 obviously like you know can see double meanings in songs or whatever, but he had no idea that it was about losing my dad. And when he when it hit him, he was just like, Oh my gosh. I think it I think it actually like lifted the, the what he thought it was about up up higher like because it was at some at some level more intimate and uh like the, the the melding of parental love and romantic love is obviously not not one that like a lot of people think about at least in this song it it, it helped elevate the song it's almost you think it's almost looking at a universal love if it can be interpreted in both ways i do yeah i think i think you're you're sort of opening and receiving uh, somebody else into your life and and giving yourself to somebody else i think that hits the same part of the heart i think it's uh, in your brain too um it's sort of that that itch you can't scratch like as long as you live yeah i think that that's what makes it beautiful it's not like the fairy tale version i mean when you become a father as well does that add another layer to your understanding of love? oh god yeah i mean you like at least especially you know for anybody right but from my from my perspective i, I being adopted my kids were the first humans I saw or met that I was blood related to. And that had a way more of a profound effect than I thought it would in terms of human connection. But yeah, I mean, when, yeah, when I had my first kid, like everything changed. That's fascinating the way that you're saying there that 
you know, it felt completely different. Did you reassess previous relationships after that? Did your kind of dynamic shift when you realized when this new, completely fresh dynamic comes into your life like that? Yeah. Well, I mean, you, it, they're basically little mirrors. They, they show you yourself, like for who you are and for good and bad. I mean, like, gosh, I like noticed a lot of things about myself that I didn't like that I, that I wanted to change or that I could change. It also gave me a, like a huge, a huge amount of respect for my parents, for my, my parents who raised me as, as you know, a human who has hopes and dreams and, and fears and also raises children through that is uh, next level. Does it allow you to see the positives in yourself as well? You know, you're saying there that you see things that you want to change. Does it also reflect the positive aspects? Definitely. I mean, there's, there's a song I wrote for my daughter uh, before she had this surgery that she needed. And it was a bit of me, like it was, I was trying to empower her, but it was also like sort of trying to empower myself. Like we can get through this because you can, you know, like you're, you're this very strong, capable little, even at one and a half or whatever she was years old, like you are so strong and I can be strong too. Like that's a very, a, a hugely positive thing for us to realize as friends and family to one another, you know, like draw on strength and draw on uh, through challenges. Did you try and reflect that strength in that song as well? I did. Yeah. I mean, that song was very much, you know, there are these things in life that we can change and can control. And then there are things that happen to us and nobody knows why. And it was sort of like this, that it's a song called girl. And, and I always reference it as like the, my favorite song I've written because I just, it said exactly what I wanted to say. It was like, I couldn't have said it better. I'm like so happy with this song. You kind of, you do a similar thing to a certain degree on Black Teeth on the CP, where yeah. you, your vocal performance at the heart of that is very soft and very gentle, but completely steady and strong the whole way through as the soundscape shifts almost violently mm -hmm. at times around it. Was the vocal mm -hmm. what you had initially? Was that the spine of it? Yeah, it was. Um, it the The song really bloomed over the months or whatever that we were, I was working on it. That song is a bit cryptic. I mean, it's it's really like a sort of love letter, post breakup letter to somebody. And in this case, it was to my relationship with a church, um, saying like this was mutually. You know, we we both chose to be in this relationship, but I I recognize it as having been toxic. <laughs> yeah. And so there's this, you know, and I, I I do find like a lot of things about religion to be like pretty dark and creepy at some level. And so I was going, going for that a little bit in the vocal, in the vocal delivery and, and uh, sort of the, the story told in that song. Are you religious? No, I, I don't consider myself religious. I, I consider myself in wonder and awe of humans and myself and the world. And the universe, like I, I love thinking about space and black holes and the, the, the limits, you know, physical limits. To me, like there's this supernatural thing that we all are attracted to just in our existence, right? But I sort of have reached a point in my life where I refuse to write it off as, as a God-based existential thing. It's just a feeling of connection. Yeah. It's a, well, it's a longing for a connection and a feeling of connection, I think. And then... And then realizing that, yeah, at some point, I don't know, like there's, there, there's so much that we can't know and, and won't know based on what we do know. So, you know, I, I, again, I think my dad always said like, he was raised Catholic and it was like, I just, it came, it was so black and white to him. He's like, I won't put anything before my family. He couldn't get over that. He was like, I'm not going to put a God or a church or uh, a Holy script above my family. And that was what was asked of him and at least his experience with religion. And it was like a case closed for him. 
And uh, same thing for me to a point, like I won't, I won't put this, this uh, <laughs> dreamy creator uh, version of the world above what I know, what I know, know to be true, you know. Was that something you grew to learn or did you always have that? No, I didn't always have that. I was like an active participant in a lot of, a lot of faith-based things for many years, so especially through music. I mean, that's how I got, uh, <laughs> got roped in, makes it sound a little harsher than it was, but how I became involved. And I was marketed to. I mean, that's like this record I'm working on right now is, and is, is really uh, about that in some ways. About, you know, at least in the US, I don't know how it was over there, but like in the 90s, there was just this heavy marketing movement to, um, to get kids involved in, in the Christian faith. And through music was a big one. And that's what worked for me. And I've, I have a lot of like fond memories and friendships that I like uh, made during those times. And I still have this day, but I don't have many friends that are still part of the team. <laughs> I guess you, I mean, I think as we get older, we all start to lose a little faith in the institutions, maybe that we were brought up around and we kind of see mm-hmm. them more for what they are. Was that the first time that it kind of happened for you? And that innocence starts to go? Oh, I mean, yeah. Like the tr- <laughs> This happens everywhere, but it seems like churches are like magnets for human destruction. Um, whether that's like financial or like what you know they're like magnets for the things they're trying to avoid like with people having affairs and people taking advantage of each other and you know seeing the fallibility of of people uh and the way that these churches handled that or spoke to it was just like (laughs) it didn't help their case that's for sure yeah it's uh i don't know where it goes i mean where do you think the churches will be at the end of the century out of interest? Man, if we make it that far, <laughs> I think at least in the States, it's, it's dropping like crazy. I mean, I think that, I think the, I think the better question probably is to ask like politically where, where's the, where's at least the country and the world going? Because that is like the biggest tool used by at least the two party system here. It's feeling very like the coasts, of the country are becoming more galvanized away from the center of the country and and that uh you can pretty much mark it down the line of people who practice uh especially like a conservative christian faith and people who don't so i think if there's a way to speak to this generation and upcoming generations that is more harmonious and that you can like have these have these set of views while also living in this way and, and being in, uh, together with like your fellow humans in this way, then I think that'll really tell uh, whether or not the church at large can survive. It's funny because one of the things that always draws people to the church is something that you spoke about with the CP where you said that through working on the music, you came to realize the unifying thing between all of us is brokenness. Mm-hmm. And that's something that people previously went to the church to heal for lack of a better term Mm -hmm. where Mm -hmm. do you see people going now to rectify that and try and find some sort of peace in that Mm. that's a good question i think i think music and art is a huge one that i noticed for me i think we're at a interesting point with projection into like the void that is the internet wanting to feel a sense of belonging and a sense of purpose and and explaining, you know, I'm watching this documentary about QAnon right now, which is like amazing. <laughs> and, and also just Black Mirror reality terrifying. and surreal. It's so terrifying. But it really just comes down to people wanting to feel like 
there's a fucking point like that there there's a thing to fight for and however misguided right like i talk about this a lot with friends it's like if you think about you know any sort of conflict or war uh the 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 soldier on on side a is like the same person on side b they have a family and they need food and they need shelter like our needs are all the same as humans there's brokenness and there's there's love and there's like a want to heal and a want for peace um without sounding too hippie about it like that that love that we were talking about earlier is really like the driving force behind all of this it's just the manipulation and the darkness that gets caught up and, and securing those things that really starts to go sideways, right? Yeah, so I don't know. I, I think people are, I think social media and, and, and whatever else, you know, I, I'm making, I'm, I sound like a lot older than I feel when I talk about that, but I think that, you know, throughout the ages, the, the desire is the same. It's just the mechanism to try to fulfill uh, those wants and secure those needs. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, that's what they always say, isn't it? That if we look back at history, you can learn a lot about the present and you just see the way that it's manifesting itself. You know, these universal kind of timeless human desires are manifesting themselves in a new environment, particularly with technology, like you say. Yeah, it's dark. Are these conversations that you might have, are these the type of conversations that you would have with the producer, you know, where you're saying you're kind of speaking about the emotional backdrop for the EP as opposed to the songs themselves when you first begin? Yeah, I mean, you know, and a lot of, a lot of times, uh, I don't, I don't collaborate on a songwriting level. It's more of a, how do we tell the story of the production and the song after the song has been written, really? Sometimes the song changes. But from what I want to say, you know, from that perspective, it's, it's, it's very much just me. But that's not to say that, you know, we really dive into what I'm actually trying to say, because I do think that each informs the other when it comes to music and the lyric and melody and stuff and how you sing it, right? Like you noticed on Black Teeth. So that, that's definitely a conversation. I mean, often a lot of your songs, Stay Close would be a good example. They have a very simple message at the heart of them, yeah. which could then be seen to be reflected in at the soundscape of the times where it's at its most minimal. Yeah, I mean, the, the, the more you can take away, the better. So that, that, you know, it really gives a listener, I think, the space to digest what you're saying. And then as they do that, of course, they're not like, they're, I'm not writing a novel, right? Like I'm not telling them exactly about my life. I'm just, I'm just giving a, them a set of words that came from my, my heart and mind so that they can like understand it for themselves and reflect it on their own experience of whatever they interpret it. Right. Like that's like, just like Paul, Paul did with stay close is like, Oh, I thought it was like this romantic thing. And to me, I was like, not at all. (laughs) But as a songwriter, you know, I'm aware of how it could be interpreted or I tried to be. How, how does that function then for something like, yes and no yeah. where at the start of that song at least the opening verse it's very kind of abstract yeah and metaphorical yeah well that one i mean especially like is that's about i wrote that during all the 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 summer unrest we had here in the country after the murder of george floyd it hit me that i was like i've known about like you know i consider myself progressive and just just like a lot of my friends and but it's like well screw what you thought was your awareness because like your awareness is only as good as your action towards something. Like once you know something, you can't unknow it. Like it, it goes with you and you can ignore it in, inside of your own soul, but it's still in there. Right. And like that burden actually ends up being heavier the longer you carry it without acting on it and without speaking on it. That was really, that's a, that's a heavy thing to sing about. 
especially in terms of like, again, this isn't spoken word that I'm trying to like shock people in it with, right? This is at least the medium that I choose is, is to write these pretty simple songs. That song, I wanted it to be, especially in the uh, chordal arrangement and some of the sounds, especially how that song develops. How I feel with that song is like sort of drunk or sort of high or something. And you're like, everything kind of starts to elevate and you're like, oh my gosh, it's been with me all along. Like I, I can't unknow this now. Like, what do I do? At least personally speaking, that, that's been a journey of, of mine the last year. Is that a journey that exists both outside of music as well as in? Yeah, I think you have an obligation as a human to, to use the skill set that you have or you might have or you will have to, uh, to speak on things that you know about and as you learn them. And to, you know, that's, that's, that leaves out also like pushing for more knowledge of trying to, to better educate yourself about. And it doesn't always have to be like these heavy political or heavy cultural things, but, you know, it should eventually tie back to your own to your own heart and where you live and the people around you. So your music, would you say, are you always kind of rooted in something that you understand or can you ever use music as a tool to completely explore something new or does there always have to be some level of... That's a really good question. Yeah, I think you do have to have some rooted thing that you know that you are, that you, if you're being really honest with yourself, because I do think that's the key at the end of the day with all this is like just being honest about what you do and don't know. And... Like I have a song about black holes <laughs> and early this, at least it was inspired by black holes. Right. And like, we're still at the very edge pun intended <laughs> of understanding what, what black holes are. And, but you know, I don't even remember this, but like two years ago, whatever, like the first image of a black hole was, was published. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that to me, I was like, look at that. Like we know we can see it. And like, that's like seeing a picture of God, uh, how crazy. Right. And so then you can take just that one seed and say like, well, okay, now because I know this, I can push and explore into another like what might be because at least I have a new step up. Did you see the image they put out a few weeks ago as well? Uh, Maybe a couple of months back. Of uh, a uh, black hole? Yeah, they took out another one. Oh, I don't think I have. Man, I was probably too, Worth I was too overwhelmed. By kind the of first similar, one. but cool. I'll check it out. It's funny our nature. I mean, that thing could absolutely wipe us out and destroy us without even thinking about it. And yet we still have this kind of curiosity and excitement when we see it. It's fascinating. I want. I don't know where that comes from. This kind of yeah. human nature to unpack the unknowable. Okay, I think we're coming full circle here <laughs> with the fear of bees. I think that we have. I think that we have this relationship with the sun. Again, have you said? I love looking at high def pictures of the sun too. It's just so ferocious and just gnarly. I think we have this hyper awareness at every any given point of what might kill us, and it's like the only way that we've been able to survive this long. Is that we're we're not just like these like, you know, ho hum go about our day like, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like we 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 have to be aware at our core of yeah, what's there. We have, yeah. No, I know what you mean. It's the same thing with like you know, like the Mariana Trench or something. There's something that draws us to yeah. this. Yeah. Unknowable. Is is it the same thing with your music actually? Because, uh-huh. you know, we spoke a little bit earlier on about how you're adopted. Is this mystery in terms of your identity in that sense, perhaps what drives you to try and understand it and un- discover it further in your music and unpack it? Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think back earlier when I was starting to write music, there was a lot of like beauty that I was trying to capture. Um, and it came across to a listener, I think, as being very like cinematic and uh, good for like teenage vampire dramas or something. But the, at the core of it, it was really about trying to feel 
like a warm piece, you know, of, of where, where I came from or where we all come from. Uh, for me, the unknown was like a great driver in terms of I actually wasn't trying to find the answer. I was more just trying to find peace in the in not knowing. I mean, that's right there from the off. If you look at like, Where's My Love, the first song you write yeah. is similar. It's about trying to find peace and beauty in the things that you can't control. Right. right. That'll be a common thread, I think, for my whole life. Do you ever, do you look back to the things you first wrote and do you kind of see those threads appearing throughout the entire discography? I do. I mean, there's definitely, like anybody, the blips uh, here and there of, well, I know what I was trying to say, but I probably would have said it differently now, <laughs> um, both musically and lyrically, right? Uh, but I think by and large, yeah, I, I find um, they're like old friends a little bit. I think, you know, the more I have under my belt or whatever, the more it helps me to understand myself and also like where I've come from. I think it's easy to create in this, on this Island or this bubble and then never like raise your head up to look behind you. But I've really been, been doing it for a minute now and being able to listen back through those, through those stories and uh, or more like landmarks now being like, Oh, I remember, you know, my kid was like one or I was, we were just dating. I wasn't married yet. You know, it was um, to have those landmarks as pieces of art. It's really special. And that's a beautiful note to wrap us up on, dude. <laughs> All right. That was a wonderful conversation. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, thank you, man. Great questions. I love, I love when uh, these go like that instead of uh, like, well, name your top three uh, macaroni and cheese uh, in- <laughs> ingredients. But yeah, I'm, I'm very thankful. Thank you. I always love it when we talk about broader things in relation to the music. Like we have that as a jumping off point and then we go and explore these deeper things like you know, the, the weird curiosity that we get from black holes. Or yeah. I feel like my manager will be mad if I don't talk about the song dim because it's such like a, uh, I feel like an amazing song. <laughs> uh, and it's, it's like the, I think actually the focus song on the EP technically, if we're like looking at, at the paper, but, um, that song is just so cool. And I hope everybody loves it. Who listens to this? It's a sad one, but it's, it's a powerful one. Well, I mean, a question about that song then, I mean, writing that, did you think about the light that you bring into the world? And what you're I didn't, I, you know, I didn't at first. I thought it was very much about, it was like, what do I do? I'm losing you. I've lost you. I've lost this light and I couldn't do anything about it. And it wasn't until like, I rewrote the chorus that I was like, holy shit. Like I have a bit of this light. We, we all have a bit of this light. Like that's how we exist and continue on is we're, 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 we're sort of paying it forward in, in terms of transferring this light in one another. And now it's a bit of like fostering responsibility. I say in the song that I need to like protect this light, like as I give it to somebody else, like that's only as good as it will be is if I care for it within myself. And that was a later realization in the song. After you have that realization, does it impact your life outside of music in a way? Do you think about your behavior slightly differently and and the impact that you're making? Yeah, I think it's a reminder of responsibility that we all have to to be kind to ourselves and and, uh, kind to others. I think that's really the only way that you know all the good things peace love and understanding can come about as if as if we're protecting and caring for that within ourselves even when we're on a budget we still deserve nice things quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80 percent less than similar brands they have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. 
Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.